the day came and the owner um, comes to me. He's like, hey, look, um, if you want, you can make this coffee for a customer over there. And I'm like, really? So excited. And uh, I made sure I put 110% into it, made that coffee as good as I possibly so could. So you're down from 120 or you're moving down? Right, right. Um, <laughs> well, you know, spare 10 and uh, <laughs> save some room. Uh, and... Um, uh, I watch this coffee go out to the table and I see this, you know, I'm looking around, I see this lady get the coffee and she picks it up, has one sip and her eyes roll back into her head, her shoulders slump back into her seat and you ah, just breathe that like sigh of relief, like, you know, thank God for coffee and that right, that hit me, that hit me with a warm fuzzy that was kind of like, I fell, I fell in love, you know, it was, um, and that, that's still here today. This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. You know, if you subscribe to Zupan's News Z feed, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. Every week you get uh, generally a special offer for something free. I don't know many grocery stores that send you something free just for getting an email. Right. So when I'm in the store, I'm always searching for that email to find out what it is. This week, it happens to be free Zupan's fresh stretch mozzarella ball. Uh, it's created in-house by their expert cheesemongers. But the fun thing is, if you're listening to this and you're, you hear this about the cheese ball, you might want to go subscribe to the news feed to see what else is there each week. It's a great opportunity to save money on great food. Certainly so. Also a great time for you to pick up black garlic. This garlic self-fermented, then caramelized, creating a sweet odorless cloves that are tangy, deeply rich, unami flavor for all of your dishes. They're do really you, black. Do you cook it's really, Do you cook with the have you ever cooked with the black garlic? I haven't cooked with the black garlic, have you? No. No, but I think this is a great reason to do that. So you can pick that up at your local zoo pants. That's right. And also, I don't know if you're aware, but every month, I know you are, Court, but every month they have a sausage of the month. And this month, it happens to be spicy Southwestern. That's created with Carlton Farms pork, grilled corn in the sausage, onion, garlic, pepper jack cheese, and serrano peppers. But they have a huge selection Mm -hmm. of sausage there. So um, always check out their meat counter. Their meat and fish. It's fantastic at Zupan's. And the guys behind the counter are always willing to give you suggestions because I often walk up there not knowing exactly what I want, mm-hmm. and they can kind of steer you in the right direction to know what you want to throw on the grill this weekend. Right, and if you're looking at fish, they'll say, do you want that vacuum-packed individually? So you can, you know, if you're not going to be back there for a week, get yeah. some vacuum-packed and throw it in the freezer. Smart. Three locations, McAdam, Burnside, and of course Lake Grove, and always Zupans.com. It is time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And Court from Kink.fm mm-hmm. and other places too. Sure. From, from Utah. I'm from, I just recently got back from a from a trip to Utah. I felt like I ate my way through it and, and didn't walk away terribly impressed. You know the memories you have of certain things just being the best ever? Yeah. And you sometimes go back oh, to it God, and yeah. you're like, what was I thinking? Or yeah, sometimes you're like could change over time. They, New they do. It, it, in fact, the the curry place that I was actually recently bragging about on this podcast, <laughs> we went back as a family, and we're all just kind of like, eh, it's okay. Yeah, I hate when you brag about something like that, and then you realize not so much for yourself, but I've told a lot of people about yeah. it. And um, I do have to say so, though, I didn't brag about this, but uh, where my house was, or actually currently still is, we still own it as a rental house. There's this old timey drive-in called Iceberg. 
mm-hmm. and they make these shakes that are like overflowing at the top. It's they're nuts. And we all went and got those and had like ice cream comas for like three days. And the, that memory delivered because it was like the best. So that was great. Yeah. I, when I go back to Connecticut, I have all my spots. Yeah, you got pizzas. Yeah, I got pizza. Well, really lobster rolls. Because sure. pizza oh, yeah. now I can do in pretty well in Portland. A little more lobster rolls. accessible. And now you can get a little a lobster roll here and there. But, not um, as easy. Yeah, not as easily. Yeah. You can't just go down there on a Tuesday. You got to wait for the right day. Same yep. thing with the white clam pizzas here. You can get them, but... Uh, but I don't know what that has to do with Australia and Proud Mary and Nolan, who's here today to talk about his Proud Mary Cafe here in Portland and also uh, in Melbourne, Australia, where I'm just super excited. We're putting together a trip with Nolan to Melbourne next year to do some coffee hopping and some food hopping and experience the best of Melbourne. So, um I think it's important to think about because as as we talk about the American coffee culture, we often forget that like, you know, as coffee permeates other parts of the world, that there is an Australian coffee culture. Well, yeah, but they're sourcing it from many of the same so- same. same countries right. and, and But I think farms. The, the presentation becomes different because of, you know, of where they're coming from. Well, yeah, his, if you haven't been, have you been to Proud Mary yet? I have not been. I've been telling you, you to go there. I, I haven't made it out there All yet. All right, well, put it on the top of the list, not only you, but everybody out there, because um, it's a different experience. There's no other coffee shop, quote unquote, like that in Portland. It's really a cafe. Mm-hmm. So they serve incredible breakfasts with an Australian influence for sure. And, uh, and coffees, uh, sourced and also I think more information about the coffee at Proud Mary than you generally get at other roasters. Right. You're going to get a little card with information about the roaster itself, um, and the coffee and what to expect. Um, it's a really cool experience. I fell in love with Proud Mary from day one. Uh, Gary, the foodie had been suggesting we go there since he first mentioned on the podcast about mm-hmm. a year ago. Yeah. And uh, finally got in there, and I was like, oh, man, I see what he means. Uh, really special experience. And we have a Portland Food Adventures event there on the 23rd. We're doing their first dinner. Oh, nice. So, you know, you go there that's for breakfast right and lunch. Yeah, it's coming right up, sir. Um, so that's the 23rd. We still have seats available for that. Um, and that you find, as well as soon, you'll find information on our trip to Melbourne at portlandfoodadventures.com. But right now... You're, we're at Right at the Fork, where you can find us at rightatthefork.com, Stitcher, iTunes. I think we've even ended up on the iHeart uh, Radio app. Really? Though? Yeah. Oh, I didn't I, know. I submitted it a while ago, and then suddenly I found it in a search. So and I think then, we're there, too. And we're on Google Music. We're all over yeah. the place, so we don't even know. I sometimes do searches for our guests, and, yep. and these sites come back, these podcast sites that I've never even heard of. And we're so there. We're there. They just add them. Sure. So thank you, Libsyn. I think they push that out everywhere. Yep. But um, I'm sorry if you're, if you're waiting to hear from Nolan and you're listening to us go on and on. It's kind of been nice because Court and I haven't been in the studio for about a month. He yeah. took his trip. Mm-hmm. I've been going away. So um, I've, I've been hosting friends. That's been kind of fun yeah. at the coast. So uh, anyway, we're going to hear from Nolan. That's right. Nolan Hurdy. Uh, about the experience of opening a coffee shop or the decision to open his first U.S. outlet in Portland, Oregon. How that worked out. And, uh, and what he's learned, and uh, we'll hear a little bit about Australia, which we've never heard on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. 
For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard in Portland for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks in Portland, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com and by San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, sparkling water with an extraordinary Italian heritage. It's a great refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name the next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its foundation in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Try it with your next meal and enjoy the difference San Pellegrino can make. It's got my favorite hat on and uh, my second favorite coffee now on this hat. <laughs> Onyx. Yes. They're cool guys, actually. One of them is coming over uh, to visit. Uh, in like a week or so, and I was oh, thinking cool. we might do a um, a, like a roasters throwdown, a bit of a friendly head to head. Who's who's been will reign supreme. Kind oh, of. that would be great. Yeah, yeah. There, you're going to have a tough challenge. I had a friend in, and I served her some proud Mary and some Onyx. Right. And um, I hate to tell you this, yeah, she, she was like, on. she was flipping out about the Onyx. Oh, and still hearing okay. about it. Like I, I respect those guys. And yeah, they're from it, of all places. Bentonville, Arkansas, where right. Walmart is headquartered. Right. So they're 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 trading with because that's an Australian. I've learning that's the Australian way of saying selling. Right. Trading. Right. Uh, but they're trading with all the Walmart employees okay. over there. I would imagine. Right. That's got to be a big part of their clientele. What yep. else is in Bel sure. Bentonville, Arkansas? I haven't been there, but I'm, I'm keen to go have a look and Are you gonna say hello to the guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, that should be interesting. So um, the American coffee culture uh -huh. is something you had not. You probably knew not much about it. So when you made the decision, you've had Proud Mary in Melbourne for how long now? Been 10 years in November. Wow. Yeah. And you, as you told me, you're kind of on par with, let's say, a Stumptown would be here, or I don't know if you want to align yourself with Stumptown, but I'm just saying as far as as far as far how known you are. Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely not size, um, but uh, in terms of... Um, brands doing stuff and kind of keeping it interesting and innovation and mm -hmm. yeah we've got a we've got a really good name for um quality and um exciting coffees you know mm -hmm. yeah so and as i as we've been researching this wonderful trip that i can't wait right. to take uh, i'm seeing that the model for uh -huh. coffee shops looks a little different in portland than it does in melbourne there yeah. are more cafes doing breakfast uh -huh. breakfast is a big thing you, you'd there. almost say that Everyone is doing breakfast and lunch. Uh, is mm -hmm. doing coffee, mm -hmm. and there's very few, um, if any, just doing coffee and cake. Um, you could probably name those places like uh, on one hand, you know, um, compared to the. I think there's five thousand cafes in Melbourne. Nineteen hundred are in the CBD. It's a crazy number of um, people in that in that space 1900 coffee coffee shops in the in the central business district wow yeah 
That's yeah. incredible. It's crazy. I mean, it's it's a pretty fun hospitality city for that reason because it's just so dense. Right. And um, it definitely um, separates the, the serious people from, you know, uh, very quickly because it, you kind of um, have a very, very healthy competition, you know. So what was your, when you initially decided to, what were you doing before you were in the coffee business mm. or the good, cafe good, business? Good question. Um, I was in school. I mean, I came straight from school into hospitality. I, 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 um, I actually wanted to go to art school, so I put together a pretty, uh, pretty awesome um, folio to submit to art school, painting, printmaking, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't bring myself to submit it. I'd kind of um, realised if I was going to be a successful artist, then I needed to draw perspective from somewhere. And uh, and I figured I needed to learn about life and travel and see the world, and then I would then I'd be able to create amazing things. Um, that's a lot to realize at an early age. I'm assuming yeah. you're talking about your 20s. Yeah, I was. I was I yeah, like I, 17 or 18. I yeah. don't remember formulating any real plan right. at that age. It was just, <laughs> let me get out. And it was easier. I think it was easier then than it is for like my sons now. Right. Because you, you didn't really, you could have an idea what you wanted oh, to do. Oh, man, it was definitely challenging for me. I mean, I remember having a freak out at 21. You know, it was it was a hard time trying to figure out what, what it was all about. But um, somehow I... Um, put two and two together that hospitality was everywhere and so I might as well um you know get get good at hospitality and then I could have work anywhere in the, on, the, on the planet and um I actually studied hospitality and uh me being me you know like I kind of uh, put 120 percent into that so there was a moment where the, the, the guy was uh, selecting the 10 people out of the 60 that they um had to apply for this uh Christchurch um, College, it was like a hospitality school, and he says to me, he's like, look, I think you're a great fit, um, but you may want to consider a haircut, lose the dreadlocks, and I had my you know, my sister's uh, floral t-shirt on and, you know, um, bell bottoms, and 16, 17 years old, it was, it was a fun time, but uh, it meant uh, a change, and so uh, next thing you know, I'm getting my hair Hair oh, shaved like off. The Marines. Yeah, and uh, and that was me committing to doing it, um, taking it seriously. And um, uh, the first job that I ever got, um, well, actually, it was work experience. It wasn't even a job. It was just going in to do some work experience. It was washing dishes, and I just made sure I washed those dishes faster than anyone else, and got a so job. So that was important to you to do them fast right. and do. To do them, uh, you were on your way, so right. you were going to do this well. Yeah, this exactly. Was not just a ho- yeah, yeah, yeah. This was yeah. not a, a placeholder, right? Yeah. So, so, um, and then where did the interest in coffee come from? It was right there. I mean, so the the we're not washing dishes for six months faster than everyone else, and, and kind of climbing the ranks. And um, you probably have to drink a lot of coffee to uh, wash them faster and than everybody they else. They were they were nice enough to uh, teach me how to make coffee for myself. And they were doing stuff, this is like 20 years ago, they were doing stuff that was like ahead of time, New Zealand, with coffee. Um, and the day came and the owner um, comes to me, he's like, hey, look, um, if you want, you can make this coffee for a customer over there. And I'm like, really? So excited. And uh, I made sure I put 110% into it, made that coffee as good as I possibly could. So you're could. down from 120 or you're moving down? Right, That's right. A- um, <laughs> well, you know, spare 10 and uh, <laughs> save some room. <laughs> And um, uh, th- I watch this coffee go out to the table and I see this, you know, I'm, I'm looking around, I see this lady get the coffee and she picks it up, has one sip and her eyes roll back into her head, her shoulders slump back into her seat 
yeah, just breathe that like sigh of relief, like you know, thank God for coffee. And that right, that hit me. A- that hit me with a warm fuzzy. That was kind of like. I felt I felt in love, you know. It was, um, and that, that's still here today. Like, is, I, is that your wife? The, the... No, it wasn't my wife. No, my <laughs> wife doesn't drink coffee. She's probably a uh, probably what? A, probably a good thing. How know? could she not drink coffee? After I mean, I don't know. But it, 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 hey, look, it's great. It means and I. She um, can get a deal. I would imagine on a cup. Yeah, yeah. No, she can. Yeah, <laughs> she, she knows a guy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, that's interesting. So, but you had to in order to develop an interest in opening Proud Mary. Uh-huh. You had to not only uh, hear someone's passion about roasting coffee, sourcing, sure. you had to do that, plus you had to decide, I'm going to do a cafe, too. Right. So you're, so you're kind of multitasking. With, I fell in love with the, the, the cafe aspect and um, dealing with people and all walks of life and just making their day a little bit brighter or better or being genuine and real with people. And that was that was my thing for sure. And- um, that first place that I worked was breakfast and lunch, seven days a week. And they had fresh juices and, um, you know, amazing coffee and this really, um, very, uh, you know, comforting, tasty breakfast. And I would serve these customers thinking, man, that, that guy's, that guy's doing it right. What a, what a great way to start your day. Mm-hmm. Um, I want that. And so I, I would start getting up earlier and make myself bacon and eggs and make sure I had fresh juice and, uh, a good coffee to start, and it, it was kind of like uh, um, something that I became very passionate about was the start of the day and how to improve the start of the day, mm-hmm. and um, that that is um, something that I still I still love today. And at, at some point during that journey, um, you know, I could always see that um, I could. If, if I was allowed to call the shots, like if I could spend the money, then I could spend it in the right places and I could make things better. And so it, it was a natural progression for me to move into management and then move into um, eventually doing my own place, you know. At what age did you start Proud Mary? Uh, I was 20, 29 when we opened up Proud okay. Mary. I had a business before called Liar Liar that I was 27 when we started that. What was that? Um, breakfast and, and lunch. And it, and it was a... It really knocked it out of the park, and it, and it set the stage for Proud Mary in Melbourne. It, it was kind of, um, I reckon it would have been one of three places in Melbourne doing what it was doing at the time. That was 2006, 2007. Um, Proud Mary opened 2009, and by that stage, we already had a little bit of of a following from Liar Liar, and people were... Um, excited by what we're doing it's a great name it's not around any longer it is still around and actually they're serving um serving our coffee Uh, we sold it yeah we sold it yeah um sold it a year and a half in and that gave me my break i mean we we definitely made something out of nothing i I think i had a negative ten thousand dollars to my name when i when we started liar liar Mm -hmm. and my partners in that business um gave me a step up and gave us an opportunity and we knocked it out of the park and um that was enough um, money from selling that business for me to open up Proud Mary, and um, we threw everything that we had at it. And it's been it's been like that the whole time. We've kind of, um, you know, the saying is if there's if there's money in the bank account that you're not expanding fast enough, we'll, we'll definitely have been pushing Put that theory. You know, yeah. So but, did you use a lot of that money for research and getting to know the coffee world better? Because it seems to me that one of the things I know there are a lot of roasters in Portland, and they take pride in how they source their beans. and right. uh, um, But you do, you've got something that I haven't seen in a lot of other places, which is 
a little bit of a kind of a visual Wikipedia right. about you know who the farmer is. Right. When you buy coffee there, uh, or you buy some a bag of coffee. You give right. We, we get a little uh, narrative. Yeah, about I the mean, farmer. it's 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 definitely like um, it's not about waiting for the market to be ready for something. It's definitely it's always been us like trying to lead the market in a direction and have a positive influence on where it could go and. Um, that, that means, um, kind of trying to educate about where things really come from and mm. the real people behind them and not just, um, some kind of like marketing piece, but, uh, an actual real story. And so in order to try and, um, get the staff behind that, get the customers to, to see that we, we had to put together as many tools as we could to, um, bridge that gap. I mean, there, there is a huge gap between the, the guys producing coffee um, which is pretty much in third world countries, um, to us sitting back, sipping on lattes, whinging about the, the price for $3.50. I mean, um, they're very removed and it's been our mission to try and um, bridge that gap and, and create some awareness and, and try to get people to relax about spending money on, on coffee. I mean, just chill out a bit. We've had it pretty good as consumers for 20 years. Mm-hmm. The price has gone up 50 cents in 20 years. Um you know, whereas the reality is my rent has gone up um, in the last 20 years, staggering amount. So is everything. Um, so, you know, it's it's definitely um, would be nice to see some of that trickling back to the guys that actually produce the coffee and having it better off than they do, you know. Well, that's, but that's, I would imagine that's a little bit of a challenge because on one hand you want to keep costs down and on the other hand you want to su- support those folks as much right. as you can. It so is, you it is absolutely a challenge, but like anything, it's about um, playing smart. I mean, um, I just came back from Brazil um, and we went, Brazil is the biggest producing country in the world. Um, we went to the region that produces a lot of that uh, um, volume and it's all me- mechanized, um, which is kind of definitely not as romantic it, and, it, and it definitely has an impact on the coffee. It's a totally different approach to coffee than Guatemala or Honduras or, um, you know, um, manual labor. Um, but they, they get a very low number for their coffee because of the volumes they're producing and the efficiency that they have. Um, now we could, we could kind of help improve what they're doing a little bit, increase the quality somewhat, Mm -hmm. help them earn more money for what they're doing and have an incredibly, uh, cheap, viable product on the market. But, uh, with with quality attached, and so there's kind of like it's not it's not all um, doom and gloom. There's opportunities out there. I think it's it's about being smart about it, you know. So what's your what is your personal favorite? I think it might be Brazilian. Uh, I, I definitely you, made it. Your a, last uh, cup of coffee before you're going in for execution. Uh, I mean, Panama Geisha is pretty friggin' hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible coffee, but I, I really wanted to help put. Um, Brazil on the map for specialty coffee because it's often not considered or it's kicked to the curb. It's kind of um, because of that volume, right? It's, it's often just but considered as a blender. You know that as a as a uh, proprietor, but a lot of people I don't think on the street know that, right? You know the difference between Brazilian you, and you don't Europe. often see people raving about. Oh my god, I have a Brazilian coffee, but um, and we had one of the most life changing Brazilian coffees yeah, earlier I, this year, and uh, yeah, you've served me and I, yeah. I bought a little of it. I yeah. also. Uh, last year, I didn't start drinking coffee, I guess, till about 20 years ago, right. which, given my age, was pretty, you know, not early in life. Right. Um, 
But it wasn't until last year that I finally, you know, I just buy what I bought. Right. It was kind of like pot. Right. You bought what you could get, and right. now you can identify right. this is what I like. Still like that in Australia. So, yeah. um, but the Ethiopians, all of a sudden, I started noticing every time I right. buy a bag of Ethiopian beans, I'm tending to like those. Why is that? Can you tell me? You know, I mean, you get a lot of character from an Ethiopian coffee, and you, you definitely get floral and fruit, and you recognize character in that coffee. And um, I think uh, bang for buck, the price you pay for Ethiopian coffee, you get a lot out of it. And I mean, coffee came from Ethiopia. It's where all the heirloom varietals are. It's where history is. So there's definitely like um, some incredible stock there in the first place. Um, and it just translates in the cup. Um, Brazil is the other spectrum. Brazil has the bottom end and the base notes and the, he the heaviness that Ethiopia doesn't have. We put together a blend called Ghost Rider. It's won like three gold medals in it. It was the basis of... Ethiopia delivering the high-end um, treble, if you like, and the Brazil um, giving the bass and the bottom end and kind of creating that full sound and that full spectrum. And it um, that's what's so cool about coffee is that um, you can get a lot out of it. I mean, wine, we all understand and appreciate wine and uh, pay big money for it and kind of I think that the, the general consumer understands the value of wine. Um, oh, well, I'll, I have comments about that because you can go to Europe and drink wine for pennies on the dollar for right. what it costs here, not pennies. Right. But, you know, you can get a nice glass of wine there for three fifty Euros. Euros on the dollar. Yeah, euros. No. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. But but so... The point, the point being that wine has 220 chemical compounds. Right. Coffee has 800 plus. Well, so the interesting thing, and this is, again, there are a lot of people who aren't like me, but... When I read all the descriptions on, you know, there's marshmallow right. and this and that and this and I've and I've had fun with my son. Right, can you pull any some of those out? Some right. of those things we can. Yeah. And the wine industry does the same thing. Right. About some of the notes and the so forth. The hard thing with coffee is you're not opening a bottle. You've actually got to prepare it yourself. Mm -hmm. And we often don't get things as good as they can be. We get it right. And and, and it needs guidance. You know, you need uh to execute that final stage right to right. get the most out of it for sure. Yeah, a lot depends on the end user. I uh -huh. just got a burr grinder. I was using right. one of those blade grinders right. for a long time. And is, tell me what difference that's gonna that makes in my coffee. Whether I notice it or not, I'm no, not you'll sure notice. Yet. You, I mean, we for sure you'll notice if you have a decent um, coffee grinder. It actually is probably the the thing to spend the money on. And it's about having consistent particle size. If you put that particle size under a microscope and were to measure it. Um, little tiny uh, fines compared to boulders and then what you want, um, those fines will over-extract very quickly. Mm -hmm. Those boulders won't really do much unless you give it a lot of time. And then you have the stuff in the middle that is going to be clouded by either end of that spectrum. And um, in order for us to get a good, clean cup of coffee, we need to have consistent particle size and then uh, extract it correctly and, and get it right and follow a recipe like like baking a cake you kind of um there's a little bit of science to it you know i'm guessing 90 percent of people don't know that they need to follow a recipe they're just using their mr coffee drip yeah thing, not, not everyone's going to have a set of scales at home and pay attention to them and i mean um my mum was one of them and um i one of the uh first interviews we had we had from proud mary was this famous chef jamie oliver from um the uk and he uh, he asked me a bunch of questions, and one of them was, what does your mum drink? 
and I totally outed her and I was like, well, she drinks Makona, like instant coffee. And, and that was the last day that mum ever drank uh, Makona. Because you didn't and want to answer that <laughs> question that yeah, way again. Yeah. <laughs> now she's doing pour overs with a, you know, gooseneck kettle and V60 and um, has a sweet grinder and um, and she she loves it. You know, she gets a lot out of it. Yeah. So um, just f- for those listening at home, quick uh, quick advice. What would be the easiest, best way for not not investing a thousand dollars in a coffee situation at home? What would you suggest? I'm I'm using a yep. burr grinder and yep. a French press, and I also have a pour over. When I have one cup, right, I do the pour over. Two, I do the French press. Yeah. So the the saying is, um, work out your budget, double yeah. it. Oh, well then I then yeah. I'd be having instant coffee, right. and then uh, and then sp- spend it on the grinder. <laughs> Don't don't spend it on the machine. Forget about trying to make espresso at home. It's it's actually not worth it unless you're going to invest. Yeah, go to Pratt and Mary. That's yeah. It. I mean, we we we've put a lot of money into the equipment mm-hmm. so that we can get it right. To to do that at home, you you know, not only do you need half an hour to kind of set up and dial in, you need another half an hour to clean up. Right. When you brew That's coffee, ridiculous. It's crazy. And you brew coffee, um, you can you can be sitting back reading that newspaper and very little clean up and having a great cup of coffee as good as what would make it proud Mary mm-hmm. providing you have the right grinder and um, execute that bit right you know that's good to hear yeah because I'm really enjoy you know the further I get into it I'm enjoying it I've always I think we have some great roasters in Portland so uh-huh. I've been jumping around from Ristretto to Ole Latte which I really like and but they're all you know extracto. Right. If I want to go, if I want to fly to the moon without um, without an engine, I can get to the moon with right. it. somehow. I can right. do that. But um, and your coffee is, uh, you know, you you were nice enough to give me a really nice cup of coffee that I never would order. Right. It's like a ten. How much was a ten dollar cup of coffee or yeah, something? Yeah. There's definitely some um, expensive and high end coffees on the on the on the bar there for sure. I mean that is that is. Um, Obviously not for everyone, but we'd like to be able to show what it what it can be or what it what it is like. And so I just wonder if if I think environment means a lot to people uh-huh. and the company that uh-huh. you're with. So I can have, as you said, if I do the right thing at home, I can enjoy that my cup of coffee as well as I can really high end right. coffee somewhere right. else because it's just it's yep. in the perfect spot. Yeah, and I'm probably doing what I shouldn't do: a little milk in there. Right. Right, shouldn't be doing that. If the coffee's good, it'll stand on its own. I assume, uh-huh. but somehow yep. I keep trying it that way. Yeah, I only like it when it gets cool, when it when it gets lukewarm without the milk. Right, but beforehand, I now you'd be amazed if if we were to give you a recipe right now and you followed the recipe and you had some really good quality coffee and you got the right grinder and your water's good. Um, I use spring water that I can right. get on. I mean, route water in Portland's amazing, so you know you kind of. Um, it's a given here, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's there's big improvements from grinding the coffee fresh and having something roasted locally and um, and paying attention to what you do because it, it definitely has an impact, you know. Yeah, and I'm learning to enjoy some of the lighter roasts. The, right. the, the nuances there, you right. can actually pick them up, right? As opposed to you'll you know, get more out of a lighter roast in terms of character mm-hmm. than you will from a darker roast because there's more left in there and. You probably have to um, extract it differently and push the coffee harder to get everything out and get it to balance. But then those notes will actually make sense if it's roasted darker. Doesn't matter wh- how good it was when it started; it's all going to taste the same. Mm. You kind of anything you cook once you start to turn it into charcoal or ash or mm-hmm. you know you, th- those those darker notes um, will be inherently the same with 
no matter where the coffee came from. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's take a minute uh, right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It's been a favorite for a lot of people. For uh, They're celebrating their 75th year next year. Which is awesome. Yeah, who else? I guess what? Huber's maybe in Portland that has been around that long, but right. no one's been uh, carrying the torch for service as long as uh, Ringside Steakhouse. And as of, uh, and very recently also the Fish House, which unfortunately closed. Yeah. So they were, um, if, if you haven't heard the story yet, they, in that space over at Fox Tower, the... Um, the building, the a tenant wanted more space, and the Petersons decided that uh, they didn't have a younger generation that was interested in operating the restaurant business. So they decided to just stick with what they know really well. Mm-hmm. Not that they didn't know the fish house well, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse, I guess, for the space. And uh, and now they're. They're going to operate the steakhouse solely. The good news here is if you're a big fan of the onion rings. <laughs> it's all about those the have, onion Those rings. have always been in both places. And I, I had just this past weekend, I introduced a friend of mine to the onion rings. And if, if, if you've never had the ringside onion rings, you are missing out because they are perfection. I've, I had friends, two sets of friends here last month who enjoyed that. But also the lobster mashed potatoes, oh, which yeah. you could you could still get at Ringside that. Steakhouse. We did that too. And they have the after nine o'clock happy hour mm-hmm. menu, which is just as good as the Fish House. is better than the Fish House's uh, happy hour menu too. Yeah. So, and not only that, of course, classic state service and, and atmosphere. Did you know, I don't know if you knew this, Court, because... You have to be paying a little bit of attention. Portland Business Journal, Ringside One Best Restaurant in Portland. Uh, and a few categories as well. Not only Best Restaurant, but I think Best Service, Best Decor. That might have been it. Oh, I, may, I may be wrong on that, but listeners are certainly welcome to, to call me out. Yes, certainly. Easily the best service in Portland that I've experienced myself. I think so. Is at the steakhouse. It's, so. old, it's old school service. Right. It's, you know, it's... Asking the right questions and knowing what you like when you come in, if mm-hmm. you've been there multiple times. So yeah, Ringside Steakhouse over on West Burnside. What's the what the website is? Uh, RingsideSteakhouse.com. Yeah, there you go. That easy, and that's where you can also go and set up a reservation today. Yeah, and you can do that as individuals, or if you have a corporate outing, you're going to impress. Mm-hmm. So then there's the cafe aspect. So mm-hmm. you not only had to become an expert in coffee, so you had the opportunity with Liar Liar to kind of... And even before that, yeah. to get there, to yeah. start to say, all right, this is the knowledge I need to right. um, uh, I need to accrue, and then later, then it becomes the cafe that makes you stand out. So what makes Proud Mary in Melbourne stand out? I know I have an idea what it does yeah. in Portland, but in yeah, Melbourne... It's, it's much harder these days to stand out in Melbourne, and to, to the point that we changed our model a little bit, and the idea was to just keep it simple, no longer... Don't push the boundaries anymore. It's um, so Proud Mary in Melbourne is uh, a consistent brand experience. Um, Proud Mary in Portland is the ultimate brand experience. We're throwing everything we can at at the experience that you have here, just to see how far we can fly that flag and make it interesting for the customer and try and really blow someone's mind. In Melbourne, uh, that became frustrating in the last couple of years. Is that we would go to the uh, Maston Ranges, we would get source um, groats from a little um, farmer. We'd roll those groats into um, oats fresh every day to make your porridge, you know, mm-hmm. freshly rolled, um, house curd, all these little bits and pieces. And I kind of get to the till. I actually came to Portland for a holiday 
and we're on the fence about whether we do something here. And I go back to Melbourne and I'm standing behind the till at the cafe in Melbourne. How was everything? Oh yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, I guess. And and I know like how much we've poured into that experience that they've had and really tried to elevate it. And it's no longer um, Melbourne's just got so much of it that it's taken it for granted. It's no longer interesting. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen Geisha. I mean, ten, ten dollars, whatever. Does no one's gonna raise an eyebrow anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas I felt like uh, we could, we could come to Portland, we come to the US, we could keep doing what we do. We don't have to, we don't have to reinvent with a, a new product. Right, we would different. just bring what we love and share it, and um, and that would suddenly be interesting because we're from a different place. Um, so what what went into the decision to come to Portland? Because it is known, one thing before you came, it already had a good reputation for coffee. Right. And um, so is that, was that the determining totally. factor? I mean, for me, you had Portland, appreciators? Yeah, Portland is the mecca of coffee. And I mean, like, like being in Melbourne, I mean, I had the opportunity to do a business in Perth, in Western Australia. I won the Western Australian Brewster Champs years ago in 2006 and had this opportunity to do this business there and I had a great following in Perth. But it's Perth. And it was kind of like, who, who would actually, where do you go from there? I mean, even if you're really successful in Perth, no one would hear about it. And I knew that if we went to Melbourne, uh, where the, the big boys are and where if you, you know, if you really kind of knock it out of the park in Melbourne, you could go anywhere in the world. It's, it's an international city. And so we kind of um, went to Melbourne to rub shoulders with the, the big kids and, um, and show what we could do. And coming to Portland is, is very much the same kind of thing. It's an Australian brand that's done well and had success and wanted to come into the US market, but didn't want to go to LA, didn't want to go to New York. I have kids. I, I enjoy my lifestyle. I don't um, How want, old are your want kids? that. Um, four and seven. Rosie's four and Phyllis oh, is seven. So those are some good they're, years. They're loving, they're loving being here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a great, it's a great city for uh, kids to grow up in, you know. Um, and so are you going to, what's your plan? Are you going to stick here? Or are you going to get no, this we're built here. and then go No, we're somewhere? here. No, no, I mean, I mean moving... Uh, wife and kids is no easy feat. Moving countries, getting visa, setting up again. I mean, we literally got rid of everything we had and started again. There's not really much point shipping your things from Australia to the US because the amount that that costs you to do that, you could kind of buy again on the other side. And mm-hmm. so we've definitely um, started again. And at least five years, we kind of see kind of here. And, and then from there, who knows? And but it would probably be in the states. Yeah, we see we see in the states for sure. Right. So how, so that's a. How, what do you think of the states? And you you came just at a weird time. Man, I came at a really weird time. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it was it was it was a hard time for us. I mean, we we got here, uh, started in November, and we just so we just been through a really grey kind of gloomy winter in Melbourne. November of oh of, um, of sixteen. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So you've. Yep. You've seen the bizarre. We saw bizarre the coldest USA. winter in forty years in Portland. I mean, um, two days later, after we got here, the daylight savings, and then Trump got elected, and then yeah. uh, and then we got a denial on our visa. We'd already spent. I was going to say, are you concerned of, now with what's going on? Well, Do you have I mean, to be? we we got uh, approval again recently. That's all good, but it definitely has not been um, easy. Um, I mean, I, I we just lost the guy that was working for us, had his visa revoked, and. Why? Um, For what reason? Uh, someone just decided to go over it again and, and um, stick their nose in it and just make it difficult. And in the end, we'll kind of look, it's not even worth um, trying to fight that one. We'll just let it be because it, um, that's just how it is. I mean, Australia is the same. It's 
it's, it's a tough place to get into, you know. Mm-hmm. But we, we're here to do good and create jobs and try and make it better, you know. So personally, what do you like about Portland that, uh, or for your family, yeah. for you, what do you... What are you enjoying about I mean, it? Close, and, close, and then yeah. food-wise, what are you really getting into? Um, close to nature is amazing. Um, lifestyle, um, the open-mindedness about Portland is, was awesome. Um, the fact that no one's really going to look you up and down because there's always someone weirder than you. That's kind of cool. It's the same thing in uh, Melbourne. Yeah, your beard fits right, right in. Right, right. Yeah, just, and just this, is your, this is your uh, rebellion from when they told you to... Right. Cut off your dreadlocks right, now. Right. I'm gonna and exactly. I can grow a beard. Yeah, I can do what I want. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> it's a great beard, man. It's <laughs> it looks great. Thanks, man. Um, and um, food wise, I mean, I just had a great um, dinner at Revelry. Some um, Korean food, mm-hmm. simple mm-hmm. things. I mean, I think I think Portland does street food really well and simple food really well and um, sandwiches really well and. Um, and the Asian is a big because as I started to do the research on the places that you gave mm-hmm. me to look up that we're going to go. Yep. Um, Asian is big over Huge. there. Huge. Yeah, it and is. I, I mean, would imagine you're closer yeah. to. My wife was trying to explain what Australian food is to someone the other day, and she 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 mentioned there's a big Asian influence, and it kind of clicked. I mean, it's it's um when you're living there the whole time, maybe you don't see it, but it's so close to Asia and. Um, Vietnamese and Thai food and just all the all the mamas are there and um, that is the best thing about Melbourne is all the, the multi, multicultural aspect and so it's a melting pot so you can get um, traditional food really cheap and then you have some cutting edge young chefs with technique that are elevating some of those um, traditions and twisting them on their head a bit and becomes, how long has that been going on because it really Kind of caught on. TV did a lot, I think, mm-hmm. for food. And Absolutely. Mr. You know, Mr. Bourdain right. did a lot for food in this country. How yeah. long ago did it? Did you start to see some sophistication? In I mean, M- Melbourne's Melbourne. definitely always been the place for hospitality. Um, I, I, I definitely think as well, like Master Chef in Australia mm-hmm. has had a huge impact on uh, people's expectation around food and what it can be and what quality is and. Um, even just trying to cook better at home, it's had a mm-hmm. big impact. Um, but, um, for a while, Melbourne's definitely been like doing some amazing things with food. I mean, I remember when I first visited Melbourne, um, and we went and had, um, pasta at this, uh, Italian place, famous Italian place. And it's just, it's the real deal, you know, they, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't cut corners, they don't muck around and, um, and the guy that was serving me um, was in his like mid to late fifties, and the way he was holding himself, um, so professional and proud, he had this sense of pride around mm-hmm. what he was doing. And mm-hmm. He's a waiter. You go to a lot of places. I mean, you go to many other cities in Australia. Waiters are not holding themselves with pride. It's, it's a hospitality is often a, a means to an end. It's often something that you do as a student to give you a, 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 you know, um, a wage while you, while you study um, and, and get your degree in whatever it is you're choosing to do. This guy's career was hospitality. Right. And you see that in, you see that in Europe. You see it in New York. Right. Professional waiters. Sure. Yep. And we were just talking about it, not to blow their horn again, but it doesn't, we don't mind. Ringside. You okay. know, there are a lot of guys who've been there, people who've been there for decades. Right. That's their trade. They right. do it really well. And you don't see that. In a lot of places in Portland, because it's exactly what you said. They're just passing through. Right. But because of the laws here, you can make a pretty good living as a waiter. So Absolutely. I think we do have, we do have yeah. a lot of great professionals. Yeah. But I personally would like to see 
a little more attention to the stuff that the guys you're talking about right that that they're paying attention to right like you know that you don't have to ask for a lot of things they're, sure they're they got their eyes on the table right i mean uh, to me it, it really is about the customer and that's i think that's easy to forget sometimes but at the end of the day um the customer's experience and that uh, making them excited and having having fun and making them feel welcome and at home and um how we treat them that's 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 everything to us and it's like you know coming to proud mary is it's our home we we've poured out so much heart and soul into it i mean we we, we built all the furniture in the place we designed the whole thing we kind of there isn't an inch in that space that we're not um isn't dripping proud mary and right and you're not it's really important to us that people feel that way and you well a couple of things you brought a lot of folks over from australia to work there so you get the you get the experience i mean just to clear that up uh, I, I would have brought a lot over if i could have but it's so hard to bring them over we we really only got uh, a visa for the chef mm-hmm. and then barney. The barney and then uh Lindsay, uh the the general manager he had um already a green card for the u.s and his, okay. his family is from oregon so it was a, it was a oh, phone I didn't call know that. yeah it was literally a phone call and like hey what, what are you doing but you? there's been some others. The others, the others were here. They or just maybe came out of the you're woodworks. just going to take, take them to Australian accents. No, 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 no. They, there's, there's a lot of Australians <laughs> here already, and so we, we, you know, we've been, we've been lucky to uh, um, hire and staff them up. You know, I'm hoping that we can hang out enough so that I can do your accent. Right. Well, I'm not really good at accents. Can you do? Can you do an accent, Corey? I don't. I don't want to offend anybody. I because there's the the typical. Throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Right. And, oh no no no. Yeah, good, that's good day, mate. That's yeah. kind of. So I, I won't even go there. That's the right. uh, that's the outback uh, right version. But well, my favorite not, I'm thing. Not a, not a princess. That's for I sure. I mean s- that that is uh, uh, Australia. We we very uh, much grow up um, giving each other a hard time. So there'll be no offense taken. Yeah no. <laughs> but I one of my favorite things that I because I I like language and you know it's one of the reasons you read it. We don't like the word amazing here because right. we want people to stretch their stretch themselves a little bit sure. but the first time you and i were talking we decided to do an event together right. which is on the 23rd uh-huh. coming up this is going to run the week before so yep. if someone uh wants to come we have room for yes you're doing we're doing dinner yes at- which is a treat for us i mean we're normally breakfast and lunch and so it's nice to show what we can do yeah, uh, in the well, evening and it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful space so it'll, it'll be nice I think time. It, I first time I sat there I said this would be wonderful but you wrote me back uh, when I said so are we doing this and you wrote me back let's get amongst it which yeah. I'd never heard and right. I've been using it since yeah it's so much better than let's <laughs> do it or something so yeah uh, maybe you don't notice that that's no, a little different yeah. for us Americans we, we've got here. some pretty funny slang in Australia and, and New Zealand too I mean so yeah. Are you aware you're throwing an American a little slang that that, that yes. has a little more meaning? Yeah, I like it. I like seeing that kind of blank look on someone's face and they're trying to look <laughs> out what I'm saying. I want yeah. to learn a few more of those because, yeah. you know, we need, uh, it's just more interesting. Yeah. So let's describe a little bit about, um, we're going to do a trip in April. I think uh-huh. it's April 3rd or 6th. I, we don't have a date yet. We're going to have that ironed down yep. by the event on the 23rd. Yeah. We're going to know what that is. But just a quick description, because it's not only for this trip, but for what you would describe as great, and a, a great experience, a great food experience uh-huh. in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. So some of the places we might yeah. be looking at. Yeah, I mean, I really want to show off what Melbourne can do and and um and where where it's where it's at and what's interesting about it and what makes it special. And so I really wanted to choose some places that 
are not your normal kind of places and they're um, uh, pretty special and, and, and some of them are a little bit ridiculous uh, how elevated. I mean, Lune Croissant. Yeah, that um, looks awesome. I had so much hell? fun just looking at websites. That you know, just, just, just to like touch on that for a second. I mean, when that, when that opened up, that was my old business partner um, uh, helps, uh, I guess like, just, there was an amazing girl um, making these croissants out of a very little space in, um, in a really cool suburb in, in Melbourne. And she just had this reputation. She'd sell out by 8 a.m. every day. And should make enough of the day. And That's frustrating for the for exactly. people. Exactly. So people would line up there at five thirty in the morning, and um, my old business partner got involved, and we're like, "Hey, let's 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 do this properly, and like really kind of give you the right space and the right tools you need." And they set up the most incredible um, warehouse space and converted it into this. It looks like a um, almost like a surgery theater, but for croissants. Right. And on the operating table, they're folding a croissant, and. Um, on a, on a black marble with the glass around him, and, and it's incredible. And, um, they do they're, kind they're, of an amakasi. You show up and they give you what they want to, what they met you smelled being made. Right. Well, I mean, back when they opened up, they were only open four hours a week two hours on a Saturday, two hours on a Sunday. That was wow. it. I mean, and we, were, and we were like, what do you mean you're only open for, for it? How does that, how does the business do that? That doesn't work. That's a food carty thing, but they had a line that. from like 5 a.m around the street and it was it was ridiculous every weekend they'd sell so many units in that two-hour period and the rest of the week they'd just kind of get ready for the next weekend um now it's different they're, they're kind of um settled in and and have a you know uh, i think it's a seven-day week operation now right they it, got a theater so i mean it's like as you said it's like a but you can buy tickets to watch them do it and then right and they eat it which we're gonna do Absolutely. Assume. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll do so, that. and you told me you, uh, I wasn't aware of it, but and you said before, but lunch or breakfast is the big thing there. So we're going to be every day. We have something really cool. Yeah. Planned. Yeah. We're starting at Brad Mary, which yep. I'm excited about yep. seeing what that's like over there. But you said it's very much like Alberta Proud Mary. Right. I mean, it, it's. Um, I think it's probably scaled back a little bit um, from what we're doing here, but. Uh, I think it still hits on all the things that count and quality produce and um, simple and approachable, but uh, everything is has a story about it. So the um, that has kind of been their focus, to try and do things that have um, content and something real behind it. So the dishes are um, from the chef's personal experience or childhood memory or some kind of reason why he's got that on the menu, and that, that means that there's like heart and soul in it and... Um, it seems to be working really well. Yeah. And, um, there are a lot of it, a lot that I saw was oriented much like all of a sudden in Portland, we're seeing a wine bar scene with great food. A lot of the, what I saw was cocktail bars with great food too. Right. Yep. So that's. Yeah. There's definitely a big drinking culture in Australia. I mean, I think most people kind of, um, know that. Um, and so there's some really, um, cool bars. I mean, we'll definitely, maybe it'll be. Uh, not included on the list. Maybe there'll be a secret kind of um, hidden bar evening where we where we take people to some bars that you wouldn't find otherwise. And you know, it's it's amazing. I, last time I was there, we went down this in our neighbourhood that I, that I know very well. But one of my guys took me down this laneway, past the bins, and there's a door open up some kind of you know pretty rough flight of stairs. Open up this other door, and it's a it's a, a bar that seats about maybe eight or ten people. 
Um, one guy behind the bar. No, no branding anywhere. Oh yeah, you don't even know where you are. They just had this on Secession. Have you been watching Secession at all on HBO? No. Yeah, they just had this. They did. It wasn't that small. Right. But yeah, they had to go through under a train tunnel right. into a door, right. up some right. industrial thing, and then they were in there. So there's something to be said about word of mouth, and you know. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said about traveling with a, a guy who knows the spot right and it's not going to be on the, any of the tourist books right so that's pretty cool yeah um so do you have friends coming to visit you from australia and are you curating portland spots for them yes yeah absolutely i mean that is something that i've been here a year and a half that i need more in the repertoire you know the more um that we can get out and have a look i mean a lot of the last year and a half has been you're in the, in the you're business in the, you know um yeah. and we kind of went from um I went from having an office and a, an assistant and all the people around me to make things happen to suddenly doing it all over again. And so myself and my wife have been definitely um, earning our keep again. You know, um, it'll, take a, it'll take a minute before we um, build up the same um, support structure around us and, and then um, explore a bit more. Are there any things that in particular... Um, that you just look at and think, I can't believe this is so ridiculous to do business in this town. Any loophole, any um, bureaucratic things that you don't have in Australia or vice versa. The marijuana uh, industry? I mean, it's amazing. Oh, that's on the positive side. Right. Yeah, now that. And you I mean, don't we, don't, any, we don't have that in Australia. It, and, and they're not talking about, are they talking about legalizing? Uh, it has yeah, a, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 Australia has such a funny opinion of it uh, and how bad it is for you and it just isn't the case you know and i think it's going to take a minute before uh the majority kind of um opens their eyes a little bit you know in my in my whole life i never thought it would just become legal there right. are a lot of things i thought would happen right sort of politically right. or that would happen before that and right. it just all of a sudden happened i, know. I mean like, i've been listening to peter tosh for a long time trying to legalize it and uh me too. I, I didn't think it would ever happen. Um, and to, to be living somewhere where it, where it is and to be able to see that, and um, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, were there, but on the other side, were there things opening Proud Mary that were really frustrating you? Absolutely. The city? Yeah, absolutely. Or? I mean, uh, so we tried our best to put together a, a budget and um, forecast what we would need to open business here and it's so hard when you're not from the same place and you don't have the, your networks and your right. friends to do you favors um i mean just the just the building permit from the city was nine thousand dollars um in australia that was eight hundred dollars mm. and i can remember um handing over a nine thousand dollars cash just to, to the, be able to, to the city to the, to the guy up behind the desk and i'm like yeah. hey there's an envelope, and he was like, is that, is that cash? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, it's a lot of cash. I'm like, it is, isn't it? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what are you guys doing, you know? What are you going to do with it? Yeah, not not fixing the potholes, that's for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, there are some things that are very different, and there's definitely some red tape here that um, makes it challenging to open a business like that and makes it very expensive. So I can, I can understand why people would be scared about introducing food into their coffee shop because it's it's expensive i mean um the canopy alone well we call it a canopy the uh, extraction or the, the hood mm -hmm. um we, we spent some money on that you know um i mean again australia seven thousand dollars would get you start finish 
Mm-hmm. We were like $75,000 by the time we kind of said did you, done. Did you know that? Is I had that no something idea. you learned no, on the no way? No, no idea. Yeah, we learned so that on the way. Wow. Yeah. So you had to adjust the budget uh-huh. in a yeah. big way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of cups of coffee to pay right. $75,000. I'm pretty sure we'll still be paying that one off. Yeah, no, it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so how's the business doing? Are you? Yeah, really, really, really good. I mean, um, just this morning, um, roasting coffee, you know, and I walked out and- there is just such a good vibe in there and people having a lot of fun and people waiting for tables and the, the, the staff have smiles on their face. They really enjoy coming to work. And I mean, that that's awesome to well, see people having fun. And customers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the idea, right? We're, we're there to have a good time. Did yeah. you uh, did you strategically pick that spot across the street from Salt and Straw? Because I think that's a great yes. location. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we when we found that spot it was like this is a home run i mean and the rent we paid a much higher rent than what everyone else would have been on that street at the time because mm-hmm. things are changing obviously but oh, to me it was oh, we like we got some aussie folks on right, the line here i let's, honestly didn't care let's, i was like this is the spot to them. this is the spot to be you know um, right. yeah i just uh it was i just had a friend who posted was online at salt and straw and that's great and i said well, just make sure you go to wash that down you go across the street right and she was she thought it was great yeah, so cool. um it's a it's a good spot to be. And yeah. were you aware were you aware of Salt and Straw when yes. you? Yes. Get- yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So when when uh, my my friend lives in Portland, I was in traveling through Central America. I was in Guatemala at the time, and he and he called me and was like, "Hey, I think I found it." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" So Are you like, asking scouting? I think I found the site. Yeah, we'd been here a couple of times to have a look, come close to a couple um, locations, but um, that was that was definitely the one, you know. And so was your plan. When you came to have a look to move here, did, or is that did that come yeah. later on? And say, no, hey, yeah, you know I, what? we just we just bought a seventy five thousand dollars hood. We got to just move there. <laughs> no, no, no. Our plan was to move here. I mean, we we I guess we looked at the, the three hard, three though. years. You had to you have to having done what you did. Yeah, you have to love, you know, your neck of the woods, and by that I mean Australia yep. and New Zealand. Yeah, you know, so for sure. Uh, but you know, like uh, change is as good as a holiday. So it's an adventure for us, and. Um, I've had 10 years, a uh, great 10 years in Melbourne. And, um, you know, we, uh, I did say from day one that we would try and do something down the line in the US or the UK, or at least like we've always had big ideas. And um, uh, jumping across here, I mean, it, it, it definitely um, was an adventure in Australia. Like we could see three years ago that it was not grinding to a halt, but it, things were going to get hard, um, especially in the, in the cafe sector. And, it would kind of mean not enjoying it or not kind of having fun with it anymore and finding it hard to excite the customer. We were like, hey, you know what? Um, maybe we should just batten down the hatches in Melbourne, not not be taking out more leases on other sites in Melbourne. Maybe we should take out a lease somewhere completely different um, and uh, make it interesting. And for us, that, well, that was here, it, you know. And that makes it interesting. Yeah, it is, yeah. What other cities were you looking at? It really was Portland. I mean, I, when I look at the the US and I, you know, a lot of the Australian guys are popping up in LA and New York. Um, that just wasn't us, and I, there's no way my wife and my kids would appreciate that like we like we appreciate um, Portland, Oregon. You know, um, I think part of the attraction move, to move to the US was Portland, Oregon. It wasn't um, just the US. It was kind of that there's a there is a place that um, you know there's, there's some cool stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, and my feeling is, and I think Quartz is too, um, 
Once you get here, it only gets better. Right. The more you learn about it, right. the you know. I you just, start, you know, this is the first time I, I shut up half an hour early to, today, right? And there is a live band across the road just carving it up, and uh, a bunch of people dancing, and I had the, had the best little here yeah. now. Yeah, just I at the front. I missed that. What was yeah. that? And it was just classic Portland kind of um, band rocking it out. You know. Well, you need to get hooked up with Court to go to the the. Is it still the Skype Live Studio? Now? No, it's the Bloodworks Live Studio. Oh, it's changed yeah, again. We, we change names. So they get bands in here all the time, right. and you can go check those out. Kind of a little private invitation. Yeah, I don't know. So, um, yeah, the music scene's pretty good here. Yeah, for sure. So, But the other cool thing is you discover you're, you're not getting the opportunities yet because you're kind of... I've noticed when we try to get together, you've got... You got a ball and chain to the roaster? Yeah, right over there, yeah, so. yeah. And that's kind of what I meant by starting again. We definitely uh, are, are working hard. I mean, I um, definitely pulled some long hours last week, and that's what it takes to yeah, no. to get a business off the ground. But in um, time, you're going to learn, you know, they'll spend a little more time on the coast. Exactly. And then when I discovered the Wallawas, to me, it was like, wow, there's all these other places that I thought made this fantastic. And now there's this other world that I think you you would appreciate. Right. It's, uh, they call it Little Switzerland. It's right. absolutely beautiful. So the more you discover. Yeah, I mean, that that's the best thing about uh, moving countries is, is um, or that opportunity to discover. States, yeah, just yeah, the yeah. West Coast. Yeah. But the cool thing is that Portland has had a cool influence on all these other regions because right. it exists. So people know right. you got to raise the quality. You got to, right. you know, you can't be taking orders from a national supplier. You got to be sourcing locally. Right. And so all the, all, there's so many little cool nooks yeah. and crannies all over the place. Yeah. That you'll discover Well, I'm looking forward to discovering the uh, nooks and crannies. Uh, Australia has always been on my, the top. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. I had two places I wanted to go in my life when I hadn't been there, which was Pacific Northwest and Australia. And so... If we sell enough tickets, and I think we will. Uh, man, if uh, you guys don't get on that trip, I mean, it's uh, crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it'll be like a, I guess, like a really a shortcut to the best of the best and some interesting things. And, and nine days. Yeah. And so I've been doing these trips with Jose to Barcelona for a while. So we have figured out the kinds of things yeah. that people like and how to make yeah. people happy. Yeah. And you do. You're in the hospitality business. Yeah. And the list you gave me was really cool. You sent me how to be 50 places, and we've yeah. held it down to, I think, 13 or 14 uh -huh. over eight or nine days yeah. that we're going to do. And, I mean, it's definitely, if, if any time for some reason does permit, there is a plethora of more places to um, get amongst. Well, and most people who come on our trips add uh, some days on, and usually on the rear end. Right. Because then they can get your recommendations on right. where to go, which we can provide yeah. beforehand, too. Yeah. That's not a problem. But... Um, but, you know, someone could fly to New Zealand or yep. fr from there. But it's going to be an exciting trip, and I'm looking forward to our event next week yep. on the 23rd. Yeah. That's Thursday. We got, um, we're going to walk away with a little Proud Mary coffee. Uh -huh. We got some gift certificates to uh, Small Wares, and we're having a great dinner. Yes. With the no, it's going to be amazing. I mean, um, with some Australian wines. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, there's some there's some awesome wines coming out of Australia, um, so that'll be kind of that'll be fun too. Cool. Um, it's gonna be great. And I have to say, I I knew this would be a fun conversation. Some of our podcasts they flow really nicely; they just go, right? Which is what this did. Right. And I love this kind of I love this kind of conversation. Awesome. It's been great getting to know you, and uh, I hope we have we 
So the trip is next April. I hope maybe this time next year we have you on again. Yep. Talk about uh, that and whatever else you've learned. You're going to learn a few things. Of course. Thanks so much. Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Mm-hmm.